But hey, let's dive into our series. We are in a series called Revive. And uh, this series, we're going to be looking at, this whole, the, whole, the word revive literally means to bring new life or to regain life. And Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And we're going to be talking about some practical tools that you can embrace on how to experience all that God has for you and how to make this year your best year spiritually. Uh, and last week, Christina kicked us off talking about fasting. Again, listen to that on our YouTube channel or podcast. And today, we are talking about prayer. Uh, now, some of you, you heard that and you got excited because you love to pray. Uh, you, are, you have the gift of intercession. Some of you heard that and you thought to yourself, why did I come to church today? But here's, I hope this frees some people up. When I, when I first came back to Christ as an adult, I... I, I, Bible reading and Bible study came somewhat, I don't say natural, but easier for me. In part because I like to read. Um, you know, I, had, I loved school. I loved, like, graduate school and went for a long time, and, and I enjoy it. Prayer was not as natural. True story, when I first kind of was, was trying to d- discipline myself in prayer and Bible reading and all of that, um, I would sit at my kitchen table at like 5 a.m. because I had to be in, work at, be in work by 7. So I'd be at my kitchen table at 5 a.m. praying. And I would fall asleep. True story. With caffeine in my system. And I thought to myself, I am the worst Christian ever. Like, who falls asleep? Come on. If you're on a date with somebody and they fall asleep, like, you know this ain't going to work out. Come on, somebody. If you don't know that, it ain't going to work out. That's why she hadn't called you back, okay? So I thought... What's God don't want to do? Spend time with me. I can't even stay awake. And through some practical teaching, I learned more about prayer, and it helped me to develop a, a prayer life. That now I enjoy prayer. Um, again, sir, still some mornings it's a discipline. So I hope it frees some people up. But my hope today, regardless of where you are on the spectrum, or whether you're like, yes, I've been waiting for a message on prayer, or you're like, Lord, help me the next 40 minutes. Uh, if you're either one of those groups, I believe you'll get some practical uh, application today. But before we dive in, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And this morning, we just uh, we posture our hearts to receive for what you have for us today. And it is in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Dallas Willard, a Christian author, said this, Prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together. Uh, prayer is simply having a conversation with God. Uh, you don't have to be on your face or kneeled by your bedside, regardless of what you saw in the precious moments, pictures when you were growing up. Uh, if you don't know what precious moments is, thank the Lord for that. Um, some of us are still getting therapy for it. Um, just kidding. Um, but prayer is simple conversation. And there's some scriptural benefits or natural positive consequences from prayer I want to share with you before we dive into the meat of our message. Here's the first one, is that when prayer invites us into the presence of God. James said this, if you come close to God, God will come close to you. Uh, Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he gave us full access to the Father, that we can be in the presence of God, that he made a way where there was no way. The second benefit is the provision of God. God provides through prayer. Uh, Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But he says, pray about everything. And the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will guard 
your heart and mind. God provides through prayer. He says, an anxious mind, God will provide you peace. Then lastly is the power of God. Jeremiah 32, I love this. He said, uh, verse 17, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing. Everyone say nothing. Nothing. So make sure you're still with me. It's too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for God. Can I tell you? There's no sickness our God cannot heal. There's no way our God cannot make. There's no relationship our God cannot reconcile. Do you believe it, church? Nothing is too hard for our God. I want to stir your faith today. I want to stir you to believe God that nothing. Here's my hope. Whatever is that area, and we all have one, right, that coming into this year, we were like, man, if that one area, you know what I'm talking about? That one, if that one area got better, if my relationship with my parents got better, if I got that one situation at work got better, Man, if, man, if this year my grandmother got better, whatever it is, man, if it got better. Listen, can I tell you, God wants to move in that situation this year. You know, the disciples of Jesus, they saw Jesus do incredible things. Come on, he raised the dead. Pretty awesome. Healed the sick. Opened blind eyes. He cast out demons. He, he took a few loaves and fish and fed thousands of people. He did incredible things. And you would think, man, if I was a disciple, man, Jesus, how did you do that? But there's only one thing the disciples directly asked Jesus to teach them about. Here's what they said in Luke 11, verse 1. Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Here's my observation looking at the text. I think it's perhaps because... They saw when when he prays and spends time with the Father, when he comes out of that, he raises the dead. When he prays and spends time with the Father, he comes out of that, he opened blind Bartimaeus' eyes. He healed the sick. Are you following me, church? I think they saw perhaps the source of power is found in prayer. Jesus, teach us how you do that. Teach us how you talk to the Father. Teach us how to pray. And then in Matthew 6, he gives them this instruction. Now, some church traditions have approached this as you recite the Lord's Prayer. And there is nothing at all wrong with that. I think it's actually a beautiful discipline. But Jesus was not merely saying, here's how you recite a prayer. He was giving a pattern of prayer. He was saying, when you pray, here's a pattern of how you pray. Matthew 6, we're going to read a few scriptures. This is the heart of our, our text today. Uh, Verse 6, you can read along on the screens or in your Bibles. He says, when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. On a side note, if you look at the prayers of Jesus, they were never long. Don't you love our God? Come on, somebody. He's just like, be healed. Uh, can I just encourage you? Listen, long prayers are not more spiritual nor powerful. Sometimes long prayers can actually be, let's say this way, shorter prayers can actually be evidence of strong faith because we realize God doesn't need uh, poetic words. He just needs what we're asking him for. Here's the power part there. Write this down when you pray. We pray 
in Jesus' name. That's our authority. It's in Jesus' name. It's not in my name. I'm not hoping. I'm not wishing. No, Jesus said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So when I pray for a healing, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. When, I, when I'm praying for a miracle, I pray in the name of Jesus. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. I'm just getting fired up. All right, let me get back. Okay, sorry. It'll happen again, though. He says, uh, do not be like them, for your Father knows that you need before you ask him. Then, he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm going to give you three applications this morning from this passage from Jesus. And uh, three points. Here's the first one. Is that we need to prioritize prayer. If we want to see, experience the presence of God, the provision of God, the power of God, we must prioritize it. Jesus said, when you pray. In other words, prioritize prayer. Prioritize time with the Father. Psalm 46.10, the psalmist says this, be still and know that I am God. That word still means to drop everything you're doing. To remove all distractions. Anybody else you find yourself, maybe just me, you get easily distracted maybe by something in your pocket. Come on, somebody. Sometimes, to be honest, I used to actually read my Bible on the phone, but I had to stop. Because next thing you know, you and Instagram, you said, what in the world is happening? You're reading the news, checking your email. That's just me. So I got a paper Bible I'm, I read in the mornings, but... Here's what it means. It means prioritize time. Let me give you three simple applications for this. Is number one is to make prayer a priority in your schedule. Do you know what I used to do when I first started kind of cultivating a prayer life? I literally put it in my Google Calendar. Like no one can take that time. Like the first thing of my day. And I think there's something powerful of giving God the first of your day. Even if you're not a morning person. Come on. That's why God made caffeine. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Like, coffee doesn't taste good, but it all feels good, right? That's why I made coffee. <laughs> Give God the first of your day. Can I challenge you with this? If you make prayer the most important meeting of your day, you will experience more of God's power in your day. Say, so before, before I dive into email, before I scroll on TikTok, before I read the news, before I jump into that project, before I do that task, I am dependent on my Father in heaven. God, before anything else, I need you to move. Man, make it the first of your day. Secondly, is then have a place. Have a place. When he said go into your room, that word in the, in the Hebrew, or sorry, the Greek, it actually meant a, a small chamber. Because in Jewish households back then, they would have this small chamber that really was a room where there was nothing in it. Now, he wasn't saying to literally go into that room. He was just saying, have a place. Have a space where you, you meet with God. Have a space where you meet with God. For me, and let me just say this. There is nothing holy about a space. There is something very holy about our God. God can take a common space and make it holy. Can I get an amen? How many of you know we are turning a ballroom in a hotel holy right now because we were worshiping Jesus. We were saying, you're worthy of it all. Can I tell you? And he inhabits the praises of his people. Therefore, it does not matter what has happened in this room. Shh. 
Surely this is the house of the Lord. He's in this place. So for me, right now, it's, it's a recliner in our family room. Now listen, that recliner is somewhat holy, okay? Maybe, but no, it can be anywhere. I have my, my, my coffee, my book, and my, my Bible and my journal. That's, that's my, my setup. But it can be your, maybe you have roommates. It could be your bedroom. Uh, maybe you're, you have, you're a parent. It's maybe getting downstairs before the kids get up. Come on, you walk real slowly so no one gets up. Uh, maybe it's at a coffee shop on your way into work. Maybe it's the metro while you're riding into work. Whatever it is, listen, just have a place. This is where I meet with God. Uh, have a place. Have a place. And then lastly, have a plan. Ha- have a plan. Now, this prayer God, here's what I'm telling you to pick up this prayer God, because this prayer God helps you out. It's actually got structured prayers, not in like what to recite, but how to structure your prayer life. There's one on the Lord's Prayer. I've prayed that many a times. One that I pray probably most often is called the Tabernacle Prayer. Um, I walked through it this morning, actually. It's great, but have a plan. Like, like have a plan. For me, I start with the scriptures. So I read my, I'm reading a Bible in one year plan. I read the Bible. Have a, have a Bible reading plan. Then I have a journal where I journal what I feel like God's speaking to me. And then for me, I journal my prayers. I just, that works for me. Um, I've, I've paced the room and prayed. Um, I don't usually sit down or kneel and pray. I, I usually either pace or I'll, I'll journal. Helps me be active. And then I'll, have, I'll end my prayer time always taking a moment to hear what God wants to speak to me. And I'll write down what I feel like God's putting in my heart. But have a plan. Again, there's nothing special about a plan, but have, have a plan. And then he says when you still yourself, when you prioritize the time, you'll know that he's God. Listen, if, if you have not cultivated a prayer life, here's what you're going to find. Prayer will remind you of how big your God is and truly how small your problems are. Prayer right-sizes things. When you spend time in prayer, when you spend time in the Scripture, I read through Job this week, and I saw God's faithfulness to Job. Can I tell you? It gave me faith that God will be faithful to me in 2023. I'm telling you, it will right-size your problems. If you're like me, sometimes your problems can appear much larger than they actually are. But how many of you know, nothing is too hard for our God. Amen? But listen, if we're not careful and we're not spending time with God, we can forget that. And next thing we know, we think, oh, that problem is really big. But can I tell you, nothing is too hard for our God. Be still and know that he is God. He then says, when you pray, pray our Father. And that was a powerful phrase. Because Father was viewed in that Hebrew tradition as a very intimate word. Like you would call Father was not some formal word in the original Hebrew. It was a very intimate term. So Jesus is saying you can have an intimate, close relationship with God in heaven. It reminds me of, of what God told Abraham. He said, I am your shield. I love this. He says, I am your very great reward. Here's what you're going to find as you cultivate a prayer life. That the beauty and the value of prayer, write this down, is not found in the provision that God gives you. The true value of prayer is found in his mere presence. The scripture says in his presence there is fullness of joy. Can I tell you, most prayer mornings that I have, God's not doing these like significant miracles in my life every day. 
But can I tell you what I experience every time I spend time with God? I spend time in the presence of the creator of the universe. Who we just sung a song, worthy, you're worthy of it all. For from you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Can I tell you, that's the gift. He is our great reward. The fullness of joy is found in his presence. At his right hand are pleasures evermore. As you cultivate a prayer life, what you realize, it's not even about what God does for you. It's who he is to you. It's like, oh God, it's so good just to, just to be with you. Just to spend time with you. Prioritize prayer. I love what Ruth Haley Barton an author said this, the fundamental purpose of prayer is to deepen our intimacy with God. If you get nothing else out of today, can I tell you why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting? It's not even to see God do a miracle in your life. Here's my hope in prayer, personally and as your pastor, is that you would draw closer to God. Because can I tell you, do you know what the great reward is from God? It's not in, it's not even in the healing. It's not even in the promotion. It's not even in the reconciled relationship. It's in his presence. Oh, church, I hope you capture that. Because, can I tell you, then regardless of what you walk through in life, regardless of what prayer he answers or does not answer, you're walking in the fullness of joy. You're walking with a peace beyond all comprehension. Why? Because I realize that he is my great reward. He is our great reward. The rest of it is just icing on the cake. Here's the second point for taking notes. If you're not taking notes, just write this down. I'm trying to help you out, okay? I'm a former psychologist, and I know this. You are more likely to remember what you hear if you write things down. So write it down. Here's number two. It's persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. He says, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says... Before you ask God for what you want, ask him what he wants. Before you say, God, make this relationship work, first ask God, God, what's your will in this relationship? Before you ask him for that situation at work, God, God, what do you see for me this year at work? Listen, I know we've just gotten maybe through, maybe you're still working on your New Year's resolutions. Come on. You wrote 32 of them. You've already broken three. Come on, somebody. Can I, can I challenge you with this if you haven't done this? Instead of asking God to bless your New Year's resolutions, ask God for his resolution for your life. If we're not careful, we can get into a habit of saying, God, bless my plan. God, I got a great plan here. Bless it, God. Do it, Lord. He's like, do you, do you want to hear what I have to say? <laughs> How many of you know, you ever had like a conversation with someone and they never like took a breath to you to even say anything? Can I be honest? My prayer life has looked like that sometimes. Be careful that we don't fall into this rhythm. And then we wonder, here, can I just help you out right now? I'm not, let's just, let's, I want to help you out pastorally. Sometimes we get disappointed because God did not do what we wanted. But he never promised that he would do everything you wanted. Okay, let me say it again. 
Listen, God never said, I'm going to give you everything you ever wanted. He said, first pray, my kingdom come. My will be done. I'm going to help you out. Write this down. I'm trying to help you out. His will is actually better than your will. His plan for your life is actually better than your plan. I know you're brilliant. I know you got a PhD. I know you work at the NIH. I know you're on the hill. I know that. But listen, your mind is finite. His is infinite. He spoke the world into existence. So I don't know about you, but I don't need God to bless my 2023 plan. God, I want the author of the universe to give me his plan. You know, I remember years ago, my car was out of alignment. And I, was, I did some research to figure out um, how long can I go? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Trying to save some money, right? I was like, I got a Honda. This thing is supposed to be like a tank, right? You know, I want to get work done on it. So I researched, and here's what I found. That even if your car is slightly out of alignment, the tire drag will actually cause you to burn more fuel. You'll expend more energy. And then it'll eventually begin doing damage to your, um, uh, to your brakes, uh, to your vehicle's handles. And I thought to myself, do you, do you, do you know what prayer does? Prayer brings any area of your life that's misaligned into alignment with God's will. Here's what you're going to find. When your life is out of alignment with God's will, you're actually expending more energy to fulfill your purpose than he wants you to. You're actually susceptible to make bad decisions that could cause damage. Why? Because you're out of alignment. But prayer is saying, God, let... So here's what it looks like. This, this week, instead of asking God to bless your plan for work, Saying, God, what do you see for me at work this week? What do you see in that situation? God, what's your will in that relationship? God, what do you see in this area? Because Jesus said, actually, we pray according to his will. Our prayers are more powerful. I remember back in 2021, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we were praying for a location. The Bethesda Road Cinema, where we'll be next week. Uh, just a little reminder. Just don't come here. Um, but we, they had not yet opened. And Montgomery County said we could regather uh, in March. So we needed a location. So it was 21 days of prayer and fasting. It was like top on Christina and I's list. And our team were like, hey, we got to pray for a location. And one morning in prayer, I just had this strong reoccurring thought that we should talk to the Bethesda Hotel. Because we had had one event here right before the pandemic. And so we kind of, Christina felt peace about it. We told our, some of our team. We reached out. And can I tell you, that's like the door swung wide open. Like they were like, it, were, it was like perfect for them because they had not ha- been having any events. And just we just felt the favor of God. Listen, this is what will happen. When you align your will, watch this. When you align your will with God's will, you experience his favor. And in 2023, you want the favor of God in your life. Here's the favor of God in your life. The favor of God will make you look better than you actually are. Because you'll, you'll get this blessings at work, and people are like, wow, you did amazing. You're like, yeah, I don't know who's doing it. <laughs> right? Your relationships are far healthier, and people are like, what are you doing? You're like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm telling you, the favor of God, it's not fair. 
But he, you, your favor will be upon you as you align yourself with his will. Here's what Jesus said. He, referring to God, will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. He then says, give us today our daily bread. That was a reference back to the Old Testament when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. Some of you remember know this story. And he gave them daily manna. And he was saying, listen, pray for, for God to still give you your daily bread. Pray for God to provide for you. And let, let me help you out because sometimes I think we can, if we're not careful in, in church and in Christianity, we, we can become too spiritual for our own good. Come on. Can I, can I help you out? God cares about what you care about, especially when you care about what he cares about. When you're aligned with his will, let me give you one more scripture. Matthew 7, 11, the words of Jesus. He said, if you then, talking about you and I, who are evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who's in heaven give good, gifts to the, give good things to those who ask Him? Can I tell you, God wants good things for your life. Can I get an amen? Sometimes if we're not careful, there can be misperceptions in Christianity that somehow God is cruel. Right? A, a cruel father? Like, we, we would look negatively upon a cruel earthly father. Now again... He's not here to give you everything you want, right? But he does love to give good gifts. You know, on Christmas morning, Christmas in the Burroughs household, the week before Christmas is very full for us. We have family and, of course, our Christmas Eve services. And then the week after, we were with family. So Christmas Day is like a day that we just take of rest. It's kind of Selah. So on Christmas morning, um, I'll give you a full transparent confession. My kids were opening their gifts. And I was just as surprised as they were because Christina bought all of their gifts. <laughs> I was like, well, that's really good. <laughs> I looked at Christina. I'm like, you did a great job, baby. That's, that's amazing. They're like, thank you, Daddy. I'm like, you're welcome. Come on. <laughs> Anybody else? You're married to someone that make you look better than you actually are? Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, so, but here's the joy I had on Christmas morning. Watching them play with their toys, like as a father, I just sat there in my coffee watching them for a while. Like it was like, it was, it was joyful to see them enjoying the gifts I had given them. Can I tell you? Even more, our Father in heaven enjoys seeing you enjoy his blessings. When you enjoy the way he's provided for you. When you enjoy the house he's given you, you enjoy the family he's entrusted you to, you enjoy the job he's enabled you to work. When you enjoy, and he enjoys it. A few verses later, Jesus said this in verse uh, 7. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open. In other words, Jesus is giving his disciples liberty, you and me, to be persistent. Come on, any persistent people in the room today? You can be persistent in prayer. He's like, ask, seek, knock, rinse and repeat. In fact, in John 14, he says, when you ask and the Father provides, it actually gives glory to the Father. When he, he's able to be good to you. Listen, there is nothing wrong with you asking God to, to move in a situation, asking God for his blessing, asking God for a miracle. My youngest in our family, Abigail, she's four years old. She is a very persistent young woman. Uh, 
last year, early last year, um, I had this idea. Um, I, was, I was listening to another pastor friend of mine, and, you know, my kids are, Sundays are a long day for them. They get up earlier than they do during the weekday, really early, and then they're, they're at church all day. So I was like, I want to make Sundays like an extra fun. So I had this brilliant idea. Get them donuts at 8 a.m. Come on, somebody. It's always a good day for a donut, right? Except when you're fasting. Um, so I got, I got them donuts. I'd go by Starbucks, get my coffee in the morning, then I'd get them a donut. They loved it. It was kind of this thing. Well, then several months in, I was like, I probably need to care for their health too, so I'm going to ring it back a little bit. But every day, every Sunday, I pull up to Starbucks to get my Americano, and Abigail in the back seat would look at me and say, Daddy, going to get me a donut? She smiled at me. I said, no, not today. And after several weeks that, Hannah and Judah were like, Dad's not getting us a donut, so we're just going give, to give up. But for over six months, true story, every Sunday, Daddy, I'm going to get me a donut. <laughs> true story, I got our donut several Sundays. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You're just too adorable. You're our third child, you know. Have whatever you want. <laughs> hey, can, can I encourage you? There's a lesson in Abigail. She was persistent. Hey, hey, listen to this. Listen, listen this, this, is, this is serious. She knew the nature of her father. She knew I'd be giving in. In fact, now I just like, I surprised him a few weeks ago with a donut just because. Can I tell you, the Bible says this, your father in heaven is good, and what he does is good. I don't know what your donut is, but you can ask him for it. Hey, Father, can you heal my grandmother of cancer? Hey, Father, you know my heart to have this business take off. Can, can 2023 be the year? Hey, Father, you know my desire to be married. Can you bring that person in my life this year? Father, you know our desire to have a baby. Can this be the year? Can I tell you, it gives him glory to give you good gifts, church. Can I get an amen? amen. I was reminded of a couple. Years ago at a church, I was on staff, and remember they came in. It was during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and they stopped me before service. They kind of found me and kind of walked right to me and said, hey, pastor. Um, they said, we've been trying to have a child for seven years. And they said, the doctors have told us we are physically incapable of of having children. They said, but we're still believing. Let me say this. Many of you in the room are physicians and medical staff. We respect and honor and are grateful for medical staff and physicians. Can I get amen? amen? Let me say this too, just to affirm you. Do you know God often brings his healing through your hands? We think of healing as being supernatural, but can I tell you, I've experienced the healing of a doctor's hands. Why? Because God gave you that ability. Can I get Amen. God gave you that passion. We thank God for our nurses, our doctors, our medical staff. Yeah, we can give it up for them. But now I'm going to bring you back down. <laughs> You're finite. You are a finite physician. The Bible says he is the great physician. So even though a physician whom we respect said you are incapable of having a baby, they believed God when it seemed impossible. And later that year, I stood on a stage dedicating their baby to God. To God be the glory. 
Now listen, there are times, and I still have prayers God has not answered. So there are times when, when things happen like that. And there are times where you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And God does not move how we expect him to. But listen, even if it doesn't happen how we expect, he is good and what he does is good. And we still believe for him to do good in Jesus' name. Mark Batterson, one of our overseers, said it this way. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. Can I challenge you, 21 days of prayer and fasting, is be persistent in prayer. These, uh, these prayer cards you got when you came in, I mean, full confession, um, I have five of these at my house in my journal. Um, that would be like 40 things I'm believing God for. Ain't no shame in that game. Come on, somebody. But can I tell you, every morning I am persistent to pray. Listen, you have a to-do list at work. You have an agenda for your meetings at work. Why would you not have an agenda for your meeting with God? Again, the first thing is asking him what he wants. But then the Bible says through prayer and petition. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. Man, pray and believe. Persist in prayer and believe God for him to move in these 21 days in your life. My last and final point. So we have prioritized prayer, persistent prayer, and then pray bold prayers. He goes on to say, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I'm not going to go deeply into that. Uh, that prayer God actually has some more to say about that. But I think it's healthy for you and important because the Bible tells us to. Is in our prayer time is to have a moment we confess sin. And here's how I know we all have sin because we're human. And here's what confession does for you. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sin, God forgives us of all of our sin and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But here's what confession will do for you personally. Two things. Confession reminds you of God's grace in your life. It reminds you, oh, it's not up to me. Like his spirit, he has forgiven me. His grace is sufficient, Paul says. Can I tell you the second added benefit? it will actually make you more gracious for others. Because the more aware you are of how you sin against God, you become a whole lot more gracious to people who sin against you. And Jesus said, just as I have forgiven you, you forgive others. We are called to do so. And by having confession, by receiving his forgiveness, we're able to. But then he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus reminds us we have power over the work of the enemy. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to us. Reminds you of James, his brother said, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That your prayers have power. That verse was written in the context of physical healing, but it applies to all areas of your life. There are many instances in Scripture we see the power of God evident in response to people's prayers. Let me share a few with you. In 1 Kings 17, the prophet Elijah prayed for God to stop it raining. And he stopped it. Can you join me in praying for it not to snow this year? Come on, somebody. He can do it. Then he prayed in verse 18 for it to rain again. And guess what? It rained. Mark chapter 5, Jairus asked Jesus to heal his daughter, and she lived. 
2 Kings 19, King Hezekiah prayed for God to save his people. He sent an angel of the Lord to come and take down 185,000 of their enemies. And do you also see this, how God is working through the work of people? I'll get to that. Acts 12, 5, the church prayed for Peter to be released from prison. And an angel came and freed him from prison. 1 Samuel 1, Hannah was barren. She prayed for God to give her a baby. She did. That baby became a prophet. I'm sharing you this because our prayers are powerful. And let me just say this. Do not confine the power of God to a few hours on Sunday mornings. Do you know the majority of Jesus' miracles were in the marketplace? Can I tell you, God wants to move not only on Sunday morning, he wants to move in the conference room tomorrow. He wants to move in the lab tomorrow. He wants to move in the classroom tomorrow. He wants to move when you're showing houses tomorrow. He wants to move in your business tomorrow. Listen, God is not confined to the four walls of a church. You can believe God to do a miracle tomorrow at work. And we believe he can. That's what we see in the life of Jesus. That God... It's powerful, and our prayers are powerful and effective. Can I tell you, I've seen this in my own life. I mentioned the couple who prayed for infertility. I remember a teacher was having significant behavioral issues in her church. So what she did, she would go into work early, shut the door of her classroom, pray over her classroom. All of a sudden, the behavioral issues went down, and she changed nothing. But guess who did? The Bible says his peace is beyond all comprehension. I know if somebody... Years ago, my nephew, so my nephew at the age of 17 had an aneurysm that had a significant stroke. The doctors told us he was going in for his surgery. He, there's a high likelihood he will not make it. If he makes it, he'll never speak again. Can I tell you my nephew? My nephew is now 21 years old. He is speaking. He is living for the glory of God. Church, I'm trying to stir your faith. Here's my one last thing. Then we're going to pray. Because I'm teaching on prayer. Many of us saw this week. DeMar Hamlin, Buffalo Bills offensive back, had cardiac arrest on the football field. Shook the NFL. Shook our country. And what do we We saw the Buffalo Bills... An NFL football team came out publicly on the record and said, we believe in the power of prayer. Dan Orvolsky, an ESPN broadcaster, on air, prayed. And he said, we believe that you are God and coming to you and praying to you has impact. Even last night, teams got together to kneel down to pray. Can I tell you, church, what our world needs is a move of God. Can I tell you, I believe as Christ looks over our country, our world, our region, our city right now, I believe he is saying the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Can I tell you, it's things like that that remind people there is a power greater than this world. And when we pray, God adds his super to our natural And we are believing for that in these 21 days. If you believe it, can you say amen? So I want to encourage you to lean in with us. Don't just sit back and say, ask for others. No, I want you to lean in because I want to see God do exceedingly, abundantly, above 
more than you could ask or imagine this, 21 days. Amen? Let's bow your heads with me.